Hey, welcome to Coastal. We're so glad that you're here with us today. My name is TJ, and I am one of the pastors here at church. And so whether you're at our Coconut Creek campus or at our Pompano Beach campus or you're watching online, I just want to welcome you to here with us today. We're excited as we're in this fourth week of this series called Freeway. It's been an incredible, incredible experience as we've been doing this series through on the weekends. And then throughout the week, we've been doing this small group connect group curriculum. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's been a really, really interesting process for me. In fact, I've been, I was thinking a lot about this because this series, as, as much as I've loved it, it's just been a lot of work personally. It kind of reminds me of when Shayla and I, we were first married, we were about two years into our, our marriage. And we decided that instead of paying rent, uh, that we wanted to go and take her grandparents' house, which was a huge house at the time, and we wanted to remodel that house. We wanted to take an upstairs portion of it. It was like a 6,000 square foot house and take that, make it a mother-in-law suite. And so we convinced them that this was a good idea, that I had the skills and the abilities to be able to do this. And so we started this remodel. We demoed out this entire upstairs and we started putting it back together. And we got it to this place where it was livable. I don't know if you've ever done any repair projects or construction projects or some remodel projects, but when you get into this place where it's livable, you kind of just say, you know what, I'm pretty comfortable with where it's at. In fact, there were still like holes in the floor. Plumbing was still exposed. We had like a leaky ceiling, but because it wasn't impacting us, we were like, hey, I'm just going to kind of sit back. And we lived there for years without touching any of those things. <laughs> and and the, the repairs just started to mount up. And, and I'm a pretty handy guy, but there's some things like I just don't mess with. I don't mess with poop and I don't mess with electricity. And so like those things just kind of scare me. I want to bring my friends in. But here's the thing that I learned about construction projects. And, and, and if you've ever done one, I'm sure that you've learned this as well. There, there's a couple things. Number one, every single construction project is going to take longer than you ever expected it to take. Like if you thought it was going to be like six weeks, it's going to turn into like six months because it's just like the never ending project. And it, and, and it feels like that, that's how a lot how life is. The other thing that I learned is, is that if you're going to go through this, the project is always going to be way more painful than you ever expected it to be. It's going to cost you so much more. It's like every time you finish up one project, you get your house cleaned up, you still got to work on that second project. So all of a sudden, that second project becomes like a mess all over again. And it's like you're living in this constant state of like, I'm trying to clean things up and then it's getting all messed up again. And that, that's a lot of how construction is. And the third thing that I learned is that no matter what project you're doing, you're always going to be missing the one tool that you need to finish that project. It's like you've got every single drill bit that in the world except for that one sixteenth drill bit that you need to be able to finish your project. And I don't know why it's like that. And, and, but this is what I know is that this is what it feels like is happening for a lot of us. We're in these construction projects. We're in this reconstruction that God is doing in our life. And I don't know about you, but uh, every time I'm in this reconstruction project with God, it, it's always taking a lot longer than I really what I wanted it to take. Like I wanted to be over in that week, but really this construction project isn't something that's gonna be accomplished instantaneously. It's something that's going to take a lifetime to accomplish. The other thing I'm learning is, is that this reconstruction is way more painful than I really expected it to be. You know, dealing with the hurts and the pains of my life, 
is way more painful than I ever thought it was going to be. The other thing that I know is this whole soul improvement, this whole thing, if I try to fix it myself, I just don't have the right tools. As much as I have tried on my own, the only person that has every tool that I need is God. And so I can try to fix this myself or I can run to him and get his help in this process. And, and I need Jesus just like you need Jesus to fix what only he can fix. And what we're all looking for in this whole process is freedom. I mean, that's the end goal. That's the end game of what we're trying to accomplish here. And so we started this series four weeks ago, and we started with the first week, we started talking about awareness, and we started talking about the fact that we have got to become more aware in life, and the more aware that we become, the less hurry is taking place in our lives, where we start to quiet our soul because life is so dang busy. And as we start to become aware of things in our life, what happens is we start discovering some of the things that are going inside of us that we have been just leaving outside of us and not even trying to imagine what those things are. And then this past week, we talked about the fact that we've got to start taking ownership of those things, that while in life you might not have been uh, in charge or some other people might have caused some of those things to happen to you, but your life is your life and you have to be responsible for your life. And I'm, I, honestly, I thought I would lose some of you guys at this step, but the reality is, is that we've got to stop blaming God and other people for our circumstances. We've got to take responsibility and take ownership and, and realize that while some of those things are not our fault at the end of the day, it's always our responsibility. And that's what ownership is all about. And today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about forgiveness. And uh, forgiveness is an important step in the process because on our journey to freedom, if we don't go through this step of forgiveness, we're gonna miss out on truly experiencing everything that God has for you and for me today. And so we're gonna be looking at John chapter eight and we've got a couple of characters in this story today. There's, there's, there's somebody in this story um, that is incredibly guilty because they've done something incredibly wrong. And then there's another group of characters in this story that are incredibly uh, wrong, but at the same point, they feel absolutely no guilt at all. And so, and then there's Jesus who's going to speak truth to each one of these groups. And so John chapter eight, it says this, at the dawn, he appeared again to the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. Now, in Jesus' day, the rabbi would sit down in times of teaching. You know, it's a little bit different in our culture. What happens is on like a Sunday morning, most pastors, as they're teaching, we stand up and everyone else sits down. Well, in Jesus' day, the rabbi would have sat down, so he would have had as much time as he needed. So if he wanted to go for like two or three hours, he could just go for that. And so I thought that we would try that today. I'm gonna go find a seat and we're just gonna hang out probably not what you guys are looking for. But what you need to understand is that this wasn't a conversation that Jesus was having. This was a teaching moment. This was a, this was a very different moment. And so what takes place here should never take place during a formal time of teaching in Jesus' day. So in verse 3, it says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. 
they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this as a question to trap of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to walk away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? He goes, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Right here, this is, this is a kind of an important passage. And, and I love how Jesus responds to this lady that's caught in adultery. In fact, he uses the term woman as he addresses her, which is really, really important that you understand this because that term woman there is really a term of honor in the Jewish culture. And so this is a great reminder that no matter how great or how outstanding or big our sin might seem, that none of us is a second class person when it comes to Jesus. He looks at us and says, man, I value you. He says, woman, which is this term of honor. And so this is a really interesting story. I mean, we have a lot of characters in this story, and, but I want to look at a couple of things about forgiveness. And so the first one is this. Forgiveness means that I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. Forgiveness means that I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. Now, if you grew up in church, you might have heard this story before. In fact, um, if you look at this story, even though this is a story uh, that's really talking about a trap that was set by the Pharisees for this woman to trap Jesus, the reality is, is this story is a story about a woman who is caught in adultery. This is a story uh, about someone who has done something wrong, and, and there's no doubt about it, she did something wrong, and the reality is, is that she caused a lot of hurt to those other people. I mean, there isn't just one woman involved, there's also a man that's involved that she was having an affair with, and history tells us that that man also had a wife, so not only has she hurt uh, her relationship with her husband, but she's hurt some other people's relationships, um, and probably those people have some family. And so there is a lot of hurt that's going on inside of them. I'm sure that most affairs take place between mutual friends of, of families. And so I'm sure that these, these, this couple that was having this affair was friends with the, the rest of their group. And so everybody would know this. And so there's a hurt that's there. And what I know and what you know is that these things don't ever just happen inside of a bubble. Like they just never do. It always causes a lot of pain and a lot of hurt on not just the people that are involved, but the people that are surrounding the hurt that happened. Now, I don't know about you, but because I'm pretty sure that this has happened to me, but have you ever had anybody that's ever betrayed you in life? 
Have you ever had somebody that you told something really, really important to, believing that they were going to keep that to themselves, and then they've gone out and they've told other people? Have you ever had some betrayal happen in your life? Where other people hurt you in some of the deepest and most intimate ways? Have you ever had a business partner who turned their back on you and reneged on a deal? What I do know is that if you live long enough, you're going to have some people in your life that are going to hurt you. And the crippling reality is is that if you and I, we don't do something with that hurt, if we don't learn how to deal with that hurt, that hurt is going to assault you every single time it comes to your mind. And what some of us have done is we've tried to manage the hurt and the unforgiveness and the bitterness in life, but as much as we try to manage that, the management of those things always seems to haunt us all the time. That bitterness while it feels completely justified, and the reality is, is if we were to sit down and you were to explain to us why you're hurt, we would, we would all probably agree that you are very justified with the fact that you are hurt. Like we would say, man, I, I totally understand that. I get why you feel that way. But what you have to know is that bitterness that you're holding on to is eventually going to contaminate every single aspect of your life because it goes far and it goes deep and it goes wider than you could ever imagine. And that bitterness can never be isolated just to one area of your life. That bitterness is gonna infect and impact every single relationship. And if it's left unchecked, eventually it will destroy you. And a lot of times, you know what? You don't forgive other people for their sake. What you do is you forgive people for your sake. Because the healing that you need is, is the healing that you need to receive. They don't necessarily even know most of the time that they did something or they hurt you in that way. And what you need to do is you need to find that forgiveness for yourself. And understanding that, that God has received you, I believe that the only place that you can get the power to forgive other people is realizing that God has forgiven you. And I'm not saying it's easy. In fact, it's a very, very difficult thing. But I'm saying that God, by forgiving me, empowers me with the ability to forgive others in spite of what they've done. And the only power, the only way that I get to that realization is the realization that I've been forgiven. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. You've heard people use the phrase before, hurt people, hurt people. And it's true. Some people that you've been around, they've been hurt, and so they turn around and they hurt other people. But here's the phrase that we really, really need to grab hold of and we really need to understand, and that's that free people, free people. People that have been forgiven in life because of all the stuff that they've done should be the most gracious people when it comes to forgiving other people. And while the act of forgiveness might not erase what's happened in the past, the act of forgiveness will erase the power that that act has over you. 
And that's an important element for us to understand that then when we forgive, it's not that we're getting rid of the act, it's the fact that that act no longer has the power to dictate bitterness in your life. And that's a powerful thing that we need to grab hold of today. And so we don't have to live in the hurt of yesterday. We have to live in the hope of today. The second thing that I think is really important that we have to embrace when it comes to forgiveness is forgiveness means that I embrace forgiveness for my own sin. We gotta embrace forgiveness for our own sin. And honestly, I, I debated whether I should flip these back and forth. Do I embrace forgiveness before I ins- extend forgiveness to other people? Or wh- what does that look like? And, and, and I've seen it happen both ways in my life. But usually whenever I have a hard time forgiving other people, it's because I've forgotten the fact that I've been forgiven of so much. It's just I've forgotten how much God's grace has totally forgiven me. And usually what happens is is that while it's a little bit easier to forgive other people, the thing that we struggle most with is not forgiving other people. A lot of us, it's forgiving ourselves. It's getting rid of the guilt and the shame that we carry ourselves. And so I want to go back into this story in John chapter 8 because it's an amazing story about failure and abuse and shame. And it's also a story about this overwhelming grace of God. And if you go back and you take a look at this and Jesus sits down and he is formally teaching everyone that's around him. And, and all of a sudden they drag this woman in front of this entire crowd. I mean, this is such an inappropriate time for this to happen. And, and we know at this moment forward, no matter what happens in this situation, that woman is always going to be known as an adulteress. Every time she goes to the supermarket, people are going to be whispering behind her back. Every time she's out with her family, people are going to be talking behind her back. There is this stigma and there is this label that is going to go around her for the rest of her life. And it's a sad fact about moral failure is that this this moral failure element is just so easy to recall. Especially for those of us that the moral failure wasn't ours. Like, it's easy to point out other people's sin. It's really hard to to look and notice that most of the fingers are pointing back at us with our own sin. And so she's dragged in front of this, this crowd. And they're like, what do you think, Jesus? And, and Jesus just stoops down. And he starts writing in the sand. And I, I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, there's, there's like a list of questions I want to ask. And one of them is, is, what the heck were you writing right there? I mean, like, what, what were you going through? Were you, you know, theologians think that maybe he was, he was listing out their sins. Maybe, maybe he, was, he was writing some scripture. I don't know. But it says that one by one, they started leaving. And, and I don't know about you, but I know for me, like, when he started calling out other people's junk, I would have been dipping out before he ever got to my stuff. I, I kind of wonder if he was looking down and he looks up and he sees, oh, you, I know what you did, you know, and just starts writing those things. I have no idea what he's writing there, but I do know this is, is that he was helping each and every one of those people that were standing there in the crowd know the truth about themselves. And we've said all throughout the series, the truth about us is that we don't really know the truth about us. As much as we think we do, as much as we think that we know that, it's a lot easier to look and point out the truth that we know in other people than it is to look and discover the truth within me. 
And we've said all along that if we try to go and we find this truth on our own without God working within us, man, it is going to be so detrimental to our life. But with the power of Christ working at us as we look to discover everything that he knows about us, what we're going to find is we're going to find the healing and we're going to find the freedom that every one of us needs in our life because every one of us has sin in our life. And what Jesus is, is teaching them here is that, is that sinful people, which is every single one of us in this room, it's every single one of us in Coconut Creek, it's every single one of us in Pompano Beach, it's every single person that's walking online, watching online. None of us are in a position to be able to throw the first stone. Not a single one of us. Not a single one of us because we're so righteous, have the ability to toss this at another person. Regardless of what happens, they start to see the truth and every single one of those people drops their stone. Now you have this woman who's been caught in adultery and as everyone's left, she's left with the one person who has every right to throw a stone at her. It's the one person who has never sinned, the one person who has never messed up, and the one person who has never had any failure in their life. And she's sitting there face to face with Jesus, and he asks her this. He says, where are your condemners? Is there no one left to condemn you? And what he does next, and I want to just isolate this scripture because this scripture is so powerful. And if you've ever wondered how God felt when you screw up, this is the scripture you need to come back to. And in verse 11, it says, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. If you've ever wondered how God thinks about you when you've screwed up the most in life, if you've ever wondered what God is thinking inside when you screw up, you need, to, you need to frame this scripture, you need to memorize this scripture, you need to drink from this scripture because the fact of the matter is, is that his love washes all over your soul and he says, you know what? You're not guilty through me. In fact, if you were to look at Romans 8, 33 through 35, it says this. It says the exact same thing. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns no one. That's good news right there. There is no one that condemns you today. In fact, it goes on to say, Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was also raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What it's saying is that, man, God is there and he's praying for us. He's behind us. He loves us. He's got our back. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And what's happening here is that through Jesus, it's already been determined that you are not guilty. You're not guilty. Nothing can separate you from his love. There isn't a single thing in this world that can take you out of this place of a not guilty verdict through Christ. Now listen, I don't know who you identify most with in this story. Maybe you identify most with the crowd of, you know, wanting to pick up the stone, you're carrying around a lot of hurt and you want to retaliate because of that hurt. Or maybe you're the woman in the story 
you identify with her and you, you're carrying around a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Or maybe you're like me and you, you kind of identify with both because there's some stuff in your life you feel guilt and shame over and then there's some stuff in your life you, you still have a little bit of bitterness and you want to throw rocks at other people to justify yourself and distract you from what's really going on in your life. Let's just say you identify the crowd and you're having a hard time getting over someone that has betrayed you. Someone that went behind your back, maybe somebody who sinned against you and now you want justice for that thing. You want them for, to pay for what they did. You want to pick up the rock and you want to throw it at them and condemn them. And I want you just to pause here for a second and I want you to think about the question that Jesus asked. And listen, you have every right to pick up this rock and throw it. It's a free world. But what did Jesus say? It says where Jesus prompts us, he who is without sin cast the first stone. He gives you this choice. You that are without sin cast the first stone. It gives us something right there to ponder about. Like, what is it in my life that I need to take care of before I ever go cast a stone at somebody else's life? What is it that I need to put down? Maybe it's something you're carrying. Maybe it's something against your mom. Maybe it's something against your dad. Maybe it's something against a friend or a relative or a boss or a neighbor. And I don't know what it is, but for some of you, you've carried this thing, whatever this thing is, around for so long that honestly, you don't even remember what it's like to go through life without this thing being a part of your life. In fact, it's partly how you identify yourself and you want them to pay and you want them to be condemned for what they did. And what's happening is your heart is just getting a little bit colder every single day because that bitterness, that anger can't be isolated just to that moment in time and that source of bitterness. And so what many of us need to do today is many of us, we just need to put the stone down. And what we need is we need God's help to focus on forgiveness that we've received and to begin extending what you never thought you could. Because as long as you and I are holding on to this, we can't receive everything that God wants to put into our hand. Because we're closed to what he wants to do. And he's saying today's the day to put it down. Put it down and let go of it. For others of us, maybe we identify with the woman who feel like her life is completely wrecked. All the shame, all the guilt. And maybe you're here today and you're so thirsty for God's grace. You're just wishing that you could experience the fullness of that. And this may seem really, really odd to you, but the safest place that you can run when you feel guilty, is to Jesus. It's the safest 
place on earth. I know everything in t- inside of you tells you to run away. But I want to tell you the greatest place you can run is to God. Because given the opportunity, God will always choose the path of forgiveness every single time. Every time. And I think today, he's got a message for some of you. He's got a message for some of you, and it's not a message in the sand. He's not writing it in the sand. He wrote it on the cross, and he wrote it with his blood. And he said, you know what? You're not guilty. You're not guilty. And I don't condemn you anymore, and neither should you condemn anyone else anymore. And for some of us, it's time for us to place the rock of bitterness at the feet of Jesus. For others of us, it's time for us to place the, the rock of shame and guilt that we've been carrying that's a burden at the feet of Jesus. And watch how God can do something that seems so impossible. Possible. For me, this is the step that I needed when I went through freeway the first time. See, a little over a year ago, I had a friend that was my best friend. Uh, you know, there's sometimes in life you, you find some people that you love like a brother, even though you're not their brother. And uh, I love this guy. In fact, I, I would tell him all the time, you can have everything in my life except for my wife. Everything is yours. That's, that's how much I love you. That's how much I trust you. Man, I see the best in you. And, and this guy betrayed me. He betrayed my trust. He, uh, he lied to me for an extended period of time. And when I, I finally learned the truth, and I confronted him in the truth, it, it went bad. You ever had some relationships? Sometimes they just go bad. And I was so hurt in that moment. I was so betrayed. I was so angry. All I wanted to do was pick up the stone and just kick the crap out of this dude. And then on the flip side of that, I felt, I walked over here, and I'm like, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, and all of a sudden I felt guilt and shame for trusting that much and, and allowing that, and so I'm, I was battling both of these things, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I know that I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to be a professional Christian, and I'm supposed to get all this stuff right, but man, I was getting it wrong, and I was struggling. And it wasn't just impacting me, it was impacting everything around me. Shayla was always like, what's going on with you? Why are you so distant? It's because I stopped trusting everyone. There wasn't a person on this earth that I trusted in that moment. Started impacting how I pastored this church. Started impacting how I was relating to our staff. It's definitely impacting how I was communicating with my wife. And this burden of bitterness and shame and guilt 
was weighing me down. And I don't get it right all the time. I, sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. But in that time, I was getting it really wrong. And I don't know why that God always gives me revelation in the shower. That seems to be where he shows up and talks to me the most. But I was in the shower and I was just having this conversation with God and I'm like, I'm so angry, God. I'm so mad at this guy. I'm so mad at myself. And God just showed me this picture of this guy and me. And he said, you've got the stone. And then Jesus stood in between us. He said, you can throw that stone at him, but just like the woman that was thrown before me, I stood between her and her accusers. I stood between her and her sin. And I took on her accusers, and I took on her sin. And I want you to know that Jesus today, he's stepping in the gap between you and your accusers, and he's stepping in the gap between you and in your sin. And when he did that for that woman, they didn't just want to kill her, they wanted to kill him. The one who knew no sin became sin. That's what Christianity is all about. It's about the fact that Jesus stepped in between and said, you know what, I'll take it all. I'll take your place and I'll stand in between you and your sin and you and your accusers. And so Jesus paid it all so forgiveness is available for you and for me. All you have to do today is receive it. All you have to do is embrace it. Let's pray. If every campus, you would just bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to give some of you guys a moment here to reflect on forgiveness. I think that this is an important moment for every single person in here because I know that there's some of you that are in here right now that maybe you're watching online or you're sitting at one of our campuses and and if you and I were just to have a conversation here today for a lot of us the reality is is we don't really know what we're trusting every one of us in life has to figure out where we are going to place our trust am i going to place my trust in good works in my success? Am I going to place my trust in human relationships? And I'm wondering for maybe some of you, for the very first time, you need to place your trust in Jesus. And where you would say, man, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to put my faith in him that I want the forgiveness that you've been talking about here because I'm tired of living this way and I need somebody to stand up for me and I need somebody to stand in between me and I need Jesus to take on my accusers and I need him to forgive me.
And maybe for some of you today, it's the day that you're going to have one of those, those shower experiences where you just get it. Or maybe you're here and you're just getting that good people don't make it to heaven. Forgiven people make it to heaven. And you need a relationship with Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you here today. If you would just be so brave as to slip up your hand, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you all over this place. Slip up your hand. Don't be afraid. Nobody's looking around. It doesn't matter what the person next to you is doing. It doesn't matter the people around you. All that matters is between you and God that you can receive everything that you need from him because this can be a game changer for you and for your life today. And if you're here at one of our campuses, I just want you to do that. We're going to say a prayer here. And it goes like this. Dear Jesus, I need a savior. I need someone on my side. I don't want to go my own way. I've gone my own way long enough, and I've realized that my way is not the only way. And I'm going to ask what Jesus did on that cross by taking all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our pain and all of our guilt and all of our bitterness, that that would be applied to my life. That when he rose three days later, he defeated death and the grave so that I could have life and I could have it more abundantly. And it's not because of what I've done that I've received forgiveness. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, come and fill my life here today. Thank you that your grace has washed over me. God, I thank you that, that you've walked into this room and, and you're doing something incredible in each and every person here that no matter what we walked in here with today, whether we're in the crowd holding the stone ready to pounce on somebody else or whether we walked carrying the stone of guilt and shame, that today we can lay that at your cross and we can walk away free and forgiven. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All over our campuses right now, if you prayed that prayer, man, God is doing something incredible in your life. But here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing a song here. And we handed you a rock as you came in. And, and maybe some of you guys, you're good. You don't have anybody you're harboring unforgiveness towards. You don't have anything that you're holding on to where you feel guilt and shame. But for others of you, you feel that. And as we sing this song here today and as we end this service, all over the place, in the front and in the back, on your way out in Pompano Beach, there's going to be some buckets. There's going to be some crosses. There's going to be an opportunity for you to lay down your rock to not carry this thing any longer and allow God to do what only he can do in your life. Let's worship together.